Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, my name's Austin, and I'm the pastor here at our North Raleigh location. Um, before we jump in uh, this morning, we want to just kind of tackle uh, sort of an issue that, that really seems to be present all the time. And we, we seem to be, as a culture, as a country, as a nation, uh, somewhat of a divided um, people. And there seems to be a new reason, a new thing, a new wedge that's driven you know, week after week. And so we want to kind of touch on one of those this morning right uh, off the bat. And, and it's this one. It's, it's a big one. It's one that's probably confronting you in your home right now. It's, it's Christmas music. <laughs> it's dividing homes across the country. And, and what we found as we talk about Christmas music in, in this season is ultimately people find themselves in one to two categories. Today, where you sit, you find yourself in one of two categories. There's the first category is this. It's the crazy category. Um, you may be in the crazy category. Crazy category looks like this. Christmas music could begin in September, and you believe that your life would only be better for it, right? Okay? You would be happy if every channel you turned on had no television on it, there were no movies playing, just Christmas music all day, every day, all year round. That would be the crazy category. Maybe you're in the crazy category. Then there's this other category. It's the logical category. The, the logical category uh, kind of works and operates in this mindset that Christmas music is for Christmas, like as in the day, the 24-hour period, and that we should only have to endure Christmas music for that specific period of time. And if you had it your way, you would wait as long as possible before you heard the rap, country, rock, R&B, and techno version of Silent Night. So we're going to try a little experiment here, trying to bring unity to a divided nation this morning. If you fall into the crazy category, let's just see where you're at. Anybody? Any willing participants here? Crazy category? Okay, keep them up. Now be brave. You know, you got to represent. Everyone who does not have their hands up, let's do this. Turn to the people with and just shake your heads. Shame them. You can go and put your hands down. Everybody in the logical category, we're going to do something this morning because let me go ahead and tell you, we're going to lose the battle this year, next year, and every other year. Everyone in the logical category, give yourself a round of applause. Thank you for keeping a level head in such a trying time in our nation, you know. It's a big deal. Hey, here's the thing that, that this season really points to. All the songs that we listen to, all the decorations that are popping up all over the place, all, even all the conversations that we have seem in this month period to start to bend back to this one pivotal moment in history, a moment so big that whether you believe in a God or not, it's already impacting your life. It's the birth of this man named Jesus. And today we're going to start a brand new teaching series called Here. And really what we're looking at is a question. Everything we're going to talk about centers around a question that you've asked in one of several ways. Maybe you've asked it this way, Jesus is here. What's next? Or maybe you've asked it this way, Jesus is here, now what? Like, what can I expect? Or maybe if you're going to be real honest, you've asked the question this way, whether out loud or in public, Jesus is here, so what? What's the big deal? And all the questions, no matter how you phrase them, whether they were out loud or just internal, really come back to this kind of a thought. What impact does the birth of Jesus have on who I am or the trajectory 
for my life. And here's what I want you to know. If you forget everything else this morning, here's what I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, that because Jesus is here, everything is different. We say it this way around life point. Jesus changes everything. That because Jesus is here, you can have a life that is forever different. And so as we jump into that, I just want to pause for a second. I want to pray for you, and I want to pray with you, because Jesus desires, no matter where you find yourself in your, in your spiritual journey, God desires to implement change in your life, change for your best, change that brings him glory. Let's pray really quick. God, today, as we read some of the Christmas story, as we look back on, on really a story that we've heard again and again and again, would you bring your Holy Spirit here and bring life to how you brought Jesus into this world. God, would you find us where we're at and lead us closer to you? Amen. All right, so about six months ago in our house, uh, we decided it was time to bring some change into the home. Um, our, our pediatrician kept telling us, hey, you need to start brushing your child's teeth. And there were like five of them at one point. And so it was like, I'm not going to bother with this. Uh, but we decided there's like a mouthful now. We probably ought to take care of those. And so we went about this journey of trying to teach our two-year-old to brush his teeth. Anybody done that? Mm-hmm, you know my pain. So I thought, you know, how hard could this be? I'll brush my teeth, he can watch, and then I'll take my toothbrush and I will brush his teeth and that should go over really well. It did not. It floated like a lead balloon, just sunk. He threw a fit, got mad, didn't work. But, but eventually we figured this one out. If we took kid toothpaste and put it on a toothbrush, he would take it and stick it in his mouth. Like that was a step. I mean, this is like changing things in our home. He, he didn't actually brush his teeth. He would just eat the toothpaste off of it. But, but it was, you know, it was progress. You got to measure things in progress. So we were measuring it. And, and then we figured out if we let him do that long enough, he'd eventually get bored and we could say, can we help you? And so he would stop brushing his teeth, and then we were able to help him along the way. And so we jump in, start helping him, and you get, you know, as much as you can get, and, and that's how it worked. You know, he would eat toothpaste, and then we would brush his teeth, and he would eat toothpaste, and then we would brush his teeth, and eventually we even got him his own toothbrush. Like, for a while, we shared it, which is disgusting, just to be honest. He's homesick right now. It's even more disgusting on this particular day. It was disgusting. But you know what? I would take whatever it would, you know, whatever it took. I was willing to, you know, go through that for him. And so um, we finally arrived at a routine. Here's how it would work. I would get his toothbrush, sometimes mine, because he'd say, I, I want to be a big boy. It was that kind of, I want to be like dad. And so I don't care if you'll brush your teeth. You can use mine. doesn't matter. And so I would give him a toothbrush with toothpaste on it, his kitty toothpaste, and I would give it to him. And then I would go in the room next door and I would start ironing my clothes. And in that amount of time, he would actually come around to being bored. And by the time I was done and got back to the bathroom, I could say, can I help you? And almost without fail, he'd hand me the toothbrush and I could brush his teeth. I mean, I felt like, you know, I'd reached kind of a dad status that was pretty high up on the totem pole. We'd figured some things out until about a month in. I walk in from ironing my clothes and there's Miles with a toothbrush on the bathroom floor, brushing the toilet. Um, not good at first. I was just like, that is disgusting. Just purely based on principle, no thought whatsoever. That is disgusting. And then this realization kind of kicked in. That's my toothbrush. And, and, you know, at that point in life, you start processing some real deep questions. I thought, you know, where did we go wrong as parents? What is he going to be incarcerated for? 
Um, what kind of criminal will he be? Will he run a gang, not run a gang? I don't know. Th then I thought, when did we clean the toilet last? <laughs> then it dawned on me. I leave the room for about five minutes every day. How long has this been going on? Because this toilet or this toothbrush has been in circulation for a little bit of time now. And so I took a momentary pause, you know, to gargle bleach, no big deal. And um, then I sat my two-year-old down and I looked him in the eye and I, I'm trying to explain to a two-year-old that the purpose of a toothbrush is to brush your teeth. It's all housed right there in the word, toothbrush. Never, ever, ever the toilet. And so that particular day, we all got brand new toothbrushes and I cleaned the toilet clean enough. You could have surgery on that toilet and it would be totally fine. So here's what we've all experienced at some point in time or another, whether it's a toothbrush or whether it's something significant, whether it's oral hygiene or something much, much deeper, that when purpose becomes misplaced, misunderstood, or even maybe misused, there's almost always pain, frustration, or at a bare minimum, some moment of awkwardness quick to follow. And you've been there just like I've been there. Parents, I've been a youth pastor. I figured this one out pretty quick. Anybody ever been to a middle school band concert? Or, or if at your kid's school, they start in elementary, any of those? I did. Here's what you figure out about four notes in. Those beautiful, finely crafted instruments they're holding were never intended to make that noise. Like that is not the purpose of the clarinet. That's not the purpose of the saxophone. And you realize, man, that is not the purpose of what's supposed to be happening here. And you really don't discover it until you're like a senior in high school and then they give up on band anyway. Or, or maybe, husbands, you can thank me for this one later, but in the middle of your windshield, they glue this fine thing in the middle. It's called a rear view mirror. And they put it there for the purpose of becoming aware of your surroundings. However, the purpose is not doing one's makeup. And every year, I read a study this week, every year there are some 450,000 accidents directly accounted to someone, anyone who would do that, um, putting on their makeup in the rearview mirror while driving to work. I know that would be none of you. Maybe you've worked in an environment in the past where someone has had authority and there's a purpose for that authority. It was to do the best for an organization and to leverage influence for personal and corporate best. And yet someone took the purpose that was given to the authority that they had and they leveraged it for something else. Maybe it was personal gain or financial, or maybe they were trying to work their way up the ladder, or, or maybe it was something altogether different. But here's what happens. Anytime someone leverages authority for a purpose other than which it was made for, someone always gets hurt. Maybe that person who got hurt was you. Maybe at some point in time, as you look in the rear view, you see that the person who leveraged the authority for a different purpose was you. And you've seen the fallout or you've experienced the fallout. 10 years in youth ministry, 15 years working with um, people in churches. And one of the stories that I've heard again and again and again is the pain that comes in when we leverage sex for the wrong purposes. Sometimes it's before people get married. Sometimes it's five years or 10 years or 15 years into a marriage. People start having to deal with the baggage that they've brought into a relationship where sex has been used to identify self-worth or to build control. 
or to just build excitement. And we look in the moment and go, you know what? I'm going to redefine a purpose here. And yet later in life, we bear the scars and we bear the baggage and we bear the heartache. Sometimes not just ourselves, but even our families of moments in time. We've leveraged something intended for one purpose and given it a new purpose. And here's, here's what I believe. It's our experience with moments in time. It's our experience with different things in life or objects that we own where they've lost their purpose or felt like they've abandoned their purpose that leaves us with this deep, deep desire within us to find what our purpose is. We've looked back and seen where things have gone wrong when purpose got lost. We're going, you know what? I don't want to waste my life. I don't want my life to be defined like that. And so as a culture, as a people, we, we're somewhat driven to find purpose even at an early age. And what we're going to discover as we track forward here a little bit this morning is this. Because of Jesus, we can experience life with incredible purpose. You can live life on incredible purpose. As a matter of fact, our big idea says it this way. God gives ordinary people extraordinary purpose. Maybe you're here this morning and that's what you're searching for. It's the only reason you showed up today. You feel like you're lost without purpose. Or, or maybe you would say this, I felt like there was a time in life where I knew exactly why I was here, but everything got blurry. I've misplaced my purpose. Here's what you need to know because Jesus is here. Your life today and every day moving forward can be lived with incredible purpose, his purpose for you we got Bibles coming down the aisle right now. We're going to look at the story of the birth of Jesus and how that impacts our life. And if you don't have one, you'd like to borrow one, or you just want one to keep, just raise your hand. Those are yours. You can have them. Um, what we're going to look at today is the story of a lady named Mary who, before the birth of Jesus, before Jesus came here, would have been considered just an ordinary person, a normal woman in her day. And yet because of the birth of this boy named Jesus... We find that her entire life was changed, that every day moving forward was a day lived on a very specific purpose. Here's what we find, Luke 1, 26 through 33, it says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think about what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. So just imagine this playing out. Like you're just normal Mary, living a normal day. Maybe it's a Tuesday. Let's just think it's a good Tuesday. It's Taco Tuesday. You're having Taco Tuesday in the middle of Israel. The biggest decision you have to make in life, corn, flour, crunchy. And you're there, man. You're in the moment. What am I going to do? Is it corn, flour, crunchy? Corn, flour, or crunchy? What are you going for? 
And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this angel, a being unlike anything you've ever seen, shows up in the room, and and something big is happening. It's obvious. This is not normal. Normal Mary is forever gone. And, And this angel comes to Mary and says, hey, I've got a brand new purpose for your life. Some of you here today have been praying for a brand new purpose for your life. Don't miss what happens here. The angel shows up, begins speaking this whole new direction for every facet of her life. And, and, and what we think about at a distance sometimes is, man, she got clarity. Man, she's been elevated to this new status. Man, she's a part of something that's going to change everything for every person. But the purpose that the angel brought into her life did not come without significant impact. The news the angel brought to Mary was going to really change her relationship with this man named Joseph she was about to marry. It was going to make things pretty awkward. There was going to be some strange conversations with her parents. No doubt Mary became the center of gossip in the town in which she lived. The dreams Mary had for her family timeline, get married, wait a while, have a kid, have lots of them, that was about to change forever. Mary would likely spend the next several years doing endless explaining of her situation and likely that no one believed a word that she said. Here's the thing we got to come to grips with as we seek out God's purposes for our life, and it's this. When God begins to reveal his purposes for our lives, things never stay the same. And maybe you've done the church thing You've come to God in prayer. You're going, God, give my life purpose. God, give my life purpose. God, give my life purpose. I need to know what it is. And the reason nothing has changed is because somehow you wanted a very clear change in purpose without any change to life. Craig Rochelle says this, that change and comfort never coexist. You want change in your life? Things have to change. As we listen to the conversation, it's very interesting how it plays out. We hear no rebuttal from Mary, no argument, no, hey, can I process this for a bit? Can we schedule something and get back to this later? As a matter of fact, there's very little dialogue. It's a pretty one-sided conversation. And ultimately, what we see Mary say, the questions Mary asks, boil down to two very simple yet powerful questions that unlock the key for you and for me to begin taking steps towards a God-sized purpose in our life. Here's the first question she asks. What? What is it, God? What's your purpose? And, and you go, it's just one word. How big of a deal can that be? But as simple as it is, it has significance to us that we can't miss out on because here's how Mary asked that question. She stared down the eyes of a representative of God himself and said, tell me God's purpose for my life. There was no mirror. There was no self-examination. Hey, let me go figure out what I want my purpose in life to be. She did something that seems so simple and yet it is so unique She said, you know what? Somebody's created me. And if somebody created me, they created me with purpose and on purpose. It may seem reasonable for the creation to turn to its creator to figure out what it's here for. And she looked back to God and said, what is this all about? Luke 1, 26. She didn't even get to verbalize it. Perks of having a conversation with an angel. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Why are you here? Why are you telling me this? What's going to come of this news that you've given me? 
And the purpose that the angel gives to Mary is our very purpose today. And it's this, to love Jesus and to bring him into the world in which we live. Love Jesus and bring him into the world in which we live. For Mary, it meant this. She was going to be responsible for Jesus. She would care for him as a child. She would watch him grow and mature. For more than, this was more than just a nine-month gig. It wasn't just a pregnancy purpose. This journey would change every aspect of her entire life. And Mary becomes the pioneer of a purpose that you and I have inherited from her. See, I don't want you to make the easy mistake here. The easy mistake that I made for decades is this. Look at Mary and, and begin to think that her story and her purpose is different than mine. Sure, the details were a little different. It's easy to look at Mary and go, you know what? She shared DNA with the very Son of God. But Mary's purpose and my purpose are identical. Mary's purpose and your purpose are identical. It was just how it played out that changed along the way. Her purpose carried over to several of the figures that we see in Scripture from that point forward. Joseph, her husband, we hear very little about him. He gets a few sentences in Scripture, and yet what was his job? To care for this son that he shared no biology with, to, to take care of him, to raise him, to provide for him financially, to teach him a trade along the way so he could live, and to care for him, to love Jesus, and to bring him into the world in which he lived. It's what the shepherds did that we read about later, who didn't know him, shouldn't have been around him, and yet come near to see him for the very first time. They were some of the first people in all of creation to lay eyes of the Son of God, and then they leave. And what do they do? They tell everybody about him. They love Jesus, and they brought him into the world in which they lived. That's what the disciples did. It's what Paul did. It's what Timothy did. But even bigger than that, it's the purpose that I've seen so many of you live out. It's the purpose that I see Chris live out. He serves in our tech booth. It's what our ushers live out as they help you find seats. It's what people like Patrick and Bonnie do, living out, loving Jesus, and helping others know him as well. And if you're here and you're searching for a purpose, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be pretty. You don't have to be influential or anything else that we so often think defines us as ready to have purpose. Mary had none of those things. Your purpose is the same as my purpose. It's the same as her purpose, to love Jesus and to bring him into the world in which you live. And while Mary's first question is really, really important for us, it gets really interesting when we see her next question. This is what she asks, Luke 1, 34 and 35. Mary asked the angel, but how? How can this happen I'm a virgin. Seems to be a fairly reasonable question given the circumstance. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power most high will overshadow you and the baby born will be holy. He will be called the son of God. The question she asks is how? What was her purpose to love Jesus and bring him into the world in which she lived? How was she gonna do that? How would she love Jesus? Here, here's some ideas. She would love Jesus by serving as his mother. She would hold him, she would nurse him, she would rock him to sleep, protect him, guide him, encourage him, teach him everything that she knew. She would bring him into the world around by introducing him to family and friends and neighbors. She would watch as he rose from a nobody to a public figure and go from fame to denial by the crowds and fall yet again to arrest and to a trial. She would watch her very son purchase the freedom of humanity at the expense of his very blood. 
See, God created you and God created me to love Jesus and bring him into the world in which we live. And while the what is clear, the how, the how is as individualized as you are. It's as unique as we are. Maybe today you stay at home with the kids. And that's what your everyday looks like. And you think, well, one day when this isn't my reality, then I'll have some purpose. That's not true. Your job is to love Jesus and bring him into the world in which you live. How do you do that? Draw close to Jesus. Know him well. Spend time getting to know him. And when those kids wake up, make sure they could never spend a day without knowing that there's a God out there who loves them. Bring him into that world. Maybe for you, you're an athlete, a student athlete, or, or maybe it's scholastics or whatever that you know, kind of consumes your day. And you think, when I get a job or when I go through college or when I get to this other place, then I'll be able to live out my purpose. If you don't live it now, students, you'll never live it then. What's your purpose? Love Jesus and bring him into the world in which you live. Maybe it's on the athletic field. Maybe it's in the classroom. Find the people that God has placed in your life and draw near to him as an individual and make sure that no one you spend your time with could spend their time with you without knowing there's a God who loves him. Maybe it's even in your career. You share a cubicle or an office. You got influence in the workplace. You go door to door knocking. Whatever it is that you do, you can love Jesus. Draw near to him before you go to work. And when you get there, Make sure that to the best of your ability, there is no way that the people you interact with couldn't see your life, hear you speak, and know your story without finding out about a God who desperately loves them. See, the how is exciting because the how is custom fit for you. And while Mary's how is special, it's unique, no one else in all of history gets to carry physically the Son of God. Don't miss the power of how she asked it. It's not just so powerful that Mary defied, you know, kind of the laws of how things work. What's really important in this story is how she arrived at it. First, she wanted to know the what. What is my purpose? And then and only then did she go to God and say, how am I going to live this thing out? See, where so many of us get off track is this. We mistake how for what? And it's got more danger inherent in it than we realize. See, what is an absolute? You were born with a purpose. It's the same purpose I was born with. It will never, ever, ever, ever change with the circumstances in life. But how? How will shift every decade or so? How will shift when you become a parent or when you retire or when you get married or when you go to college or when you change schools? How is always shifting because how is custom fit to your circumstance? God's purpose for your life will never change no matter where you find yourself or what season you walk through. When we confuse the two, however, we're on a direct course for some pain and hurt. Here, here's how this plays out. Maybe you look and you think the how is your what? You think raising your kids is your purpose in life. But here's the thing about kids. I got one of my own. Eventually they graduate. They get careers, they raise their own families, they move off, they're not around as often as you'd like them to be. And if your purpose in life is to raise your son or to raise your daughter or to raise your family, what do you do when the kids are gone? So you have an 18-year window. It's a vital 18-year window. 20 if you're you know, lucky or not, depending on how you look at that. <laughs> Where you get to live out God's purpose for your life and the how you do it is to pour into their lives day in and day out. Don't miss the how, but it is not the what? Maybe for you it is school. And you wake up and you think the whole social setting in high school or, or your career as an athlete or your endeavors 
as you compete is the what, or is the what. But what happens eventually for anyone who's an athlete, here's how it plays out. Eventually someone gets better than you, you get benched. Or you graduate and you don't get the scholarship. Or maybe you go pro and eventually you retire. And if you think your purpose in life is athletics, if you think it's competing, if you think it's being the best of the best of the best, eventually what happens is there's no one left to compete with. And if your purpose in life is sports, what do you do when you don't have anyone to play anymore? See, for a season of time, students, God will give you a very unique way to live out the the what for your life, to love God and to make sure that you bring him into the world in which you live. And so while you're in school, while you're a student, while you compete, while you do what you do where God has placed you in the arena that he has placed you, do it with everything you have, but never confuse the fact that when you graduate, when you have a job, your what, God's purpose for your life has not changed one iota. It's the same. Be careful, adults. Be careful that when it comes to your career, you don't confuse the how and the what. See, it's really hard for a guy that walks up on stage and teaches for a living to start thinking that what I do now is not my purpose in life. So if I don't work here anymore, I still bear the responsibility to love Jesus and to bring him into the world in which we live. And you can do that in your workplace, but eventually here's what happens. There's outsourcing, downsizing, or retirement. You better learn that you can live out the what for your life in the place that you work or in any other place that God brings you. See, if you want to live a life with purpose and on purpose, it is absolutely vital that we find a purpose that endures, that lasts. And fortunately, we serve a creator who's given us a very clear purpose. Love him, bring him into the world in which you live. And no matter where you are, no matter what's around you, whether you're on vacation or in the middle of the worst work week of your life, whether things are going great or things are at the bottom, whether you have clarity on all the answers you want, or whether you're left with more question marks than answers, you can live in the middle of your ordinary life with an extraordinary purpose. See, God gives ordinary people extraordinary purpose. So here's how I want to wrap this up. Maybe today, the first step for you is to get to know this man named Jesus. You're here, you got questions, I'd love to talk to you after service, but there's a God who knows you, loves you, and you can begin a relationship with him today that will change everything for you. You can ask around, so many of these people's lives have been changed because they found Jesus. They didn't expect it to change, but it did. Maybe for you, you already found Jesus. You love him deeply, but you're missing out on the second half of that reason that God created you, not just to hoard his love for yourself, but to bring them into the world in which you live, your workplace, your family, your neighborhood, wherever it is that you go. And today, as we close, you need to pray and go, God, I know who I need to talk to. I know the conversation I need to have. I know where I need to live is a better example. And today can be the day where you fulfill the entirety of your purpose and you can spend the rest of your life with clarity, knowing that you live the reason God made you. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you have created us on purpose and with purpose. And today, God, for those of us that are far off, bring us near. And for those of us who've been near, send us out. I pray, God, that you would change a city because this group of people chose never to spend another day off purpose. Be glorified. And God, may your name be more famous tomorrow than it is today. Amen.